Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. From our basement to your headphones, barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown in a wild top in the chart. Thank you for downloading the Podcastianos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. What is going on, everyone? This is the Podcastianos. I'm Jordan Hall. Eric is in a Central American country, of which I cannot remember, uh, doing good. So I'm pumped to be joined tonight by Vito Churko of Churko & Company. So glad to have you on the track tonight. Hey, thank you very much for having me, Jordan. It's a yeah. pleasure. Um, so, Vito, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's a, a new Pokemon game out there that people are getting into. Um, qu- they're getting pretty into it. Yeah, yeah, I know, and uh, it's a craze, huh? Pokemon Go, uh, it is a craze to say the least, and I'm trying to figure out whether or not it's going to end up being a fail. You know, will it end up being that at one point? What do you think? I I think it very well may have reached that point. I feel like once people are, like, getting hit by cars and falling down, hurting themselves, playing the game, that it might might have reached that point. (laughs) Yeah, I would say that would be the point of no return, right? (laughs) Yeah. for the game itself. So I would hope that would lead to people at least being more cautious, more aware of their surroundings when they're playing this game. You still got to look out for pedestrians, for cars, and you know, just for people in general, you know, and be aware of your surroundings, like I said, because if you're not, well, it's not going to lead to anything positive for you. And, yeah, we don't want anybody getting hurt or killed over this game, too. Yeah. It's not that great of a game to risk a life. So you know that much. Yeah. We were talking before. You are you are not playing, and I am I am not playing either. Um I, I heard an interesting take on, on the internet that apparently um, people think that Big Brother is using it to see inside of our houses. Like, they have Google Earth and all the security cameras <laughs> uh-huh. outside everywhere, but now the CIA and the Illuminati are thinking, like, how do we get inside people's buildings? Yeah, we'll just throw a Pikachu inside there. <laughs> hey, that'd be uh, quite the way to do it, huh? Yeah. To get some intel, some information about these people living in their houses. Uh, not the, the way that people would like to have themselves revealed to others, you know, to those organizations. It would not be a good thing for that to occur. But, hey, crazier things have happened, right, Jordan? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one more thing before we get to the opening question. I saw a tweet making the rounds, I don't know, about a week ago that was talking about how Michelle Obama has spent the last seven years of her life trying to get our fat butts um, moving, and Pokemon Go accomplished that in, what, a, w- a week? <laughs> people are finally leaving their houses, right? And- with the warm summer sun, you know? I mean, that's what you got to be doing, and you should be doing it already, you know, for your parks and rec campers or at, you know, at the local diamond by your house. And now Pokemon Go is a game that's enabling people to do it, uh, a video game, you know, a game that's known as a video game from the Game Boy, all these Game Boys, Nintendo uh, systems, and, and now it's this. It's getting people you know, off their butts, like you said. It's miraculous, and something that Michelle Obama could never accomplish, huh? No, definitely. Even with all her efforts, like you said. Yeah, she's she's got us eating kale, and now Pokemon Go has us moving. So I guess together <laughs> they uh they they got the job done. Um, so that brings us. Yeah, that's one win. That's one win right there to Pokemon Go, and maybe one loss to Michelle Obama, huh? Yeah, yeah, it's okay. I mean, she's got eight years in, eight years in the White House. That that's pretty cool in itself. I think she's won won some things. Yeah, I would take that. I would take uh, that opportunity myself if I could uh, receive it. I definitely would take that as well. 
so that brings us this week's leadoff question, which is actually provided to us by uh, a listener at Call Jacks, and they want to know what Tigers player is most like which Pokemon. Um, I'll throw out a few, and then and then if you have any, you can um, you can jump in the conversation too. Um, the first one, this was actually the very first one that came to my mind. Apparently, there's a Pokemon called Slowpoke. And I thought that Victor Martinez would be a, a pretty good fit for, for that. Magmar, which I'm assuming is some sort of play on, like, Magma. I went with Michael Fulmer, uh-huh. obviously, because... I, I thought, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Um, coughing. Uh, I went with Jim Leland, for obvious reasons. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And Snorlax, which I saw as kind of a, of a, bigger, a bigger Pokemon. I uh, chose that Gene Lamont might, might qualify as him. No, sorry, Gene, sorry. And Sorry, fin- Gino, we offend you. <laughs> and finally, um, there's a Pokemon named Jinx, which according to Tiger's Twitter, I think would be um, Brad Osmus. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You had to go there, huh? <laughs> a little bit of a burn there to Brad. Uh, I think that's more of a burn on, on Tiger's Twitter. I, I don't personally think that Osmus is, is that bad. I think he's – I don't think he – I don't think he's that great, but I don't think he's that bad either. But anyway, we did. Yeah, he's somewhere. Yeah, we can talk about that another day, or maybe later, right? Yeah, we'll see. Talk, yeah. <laughs> All right. Do, do you have any before we get into the Tiger Sock? Well, you know what? I like your your analogy or comparison there of comparing a slow coach to Victor Martinez. Is Victor Martinez of that caliber on the base half? <laughs> you know, he can't move out there. And how many guys do we have that are just horrible base runners? It's like everybody outside of what? Cameron Maven, Iglesias. And uh, Ian Kinsler, who I love, by the way, first half MVP, but that's just, you know, we can talk about that later, too. But anyways, I would say you got a few candidates for Slowpoke, right? Not just Demar. How about Miguel Cabrera? Miguel he can Cabrera. barely get up and move around the base half, too. So you got Miggy, you got Demar. Those two guys right now stand out to me as being favorites to be Slowpoke caliber major leaguers. So I love that analogy. E- even so even I love Moya, that one at least in the outfield. Moya can't move out there either. That's why he was demoted, right, to learn how to play, uh, and play corner outfield, essentially. Yeah. So anyways... Anyways, the other thing I wanted to bring up, you said Magmar, right, for Michael Fulmer? Yep. Is that the name of the Pokemon? Apparently, Okay, yep. so I got that name right. That's a good one. I like him. I thought of Charizard. Okay. How about him? Oh, yeah. Flamethrowing, you know, Michael Fulmer is flamethrower that uh, Charizard, or, you know, he uh, enables flames or has that ability, right, to release flames and bring that fire. And, hey, guess who does it every fifth day from the Tigers on the mound? Michael Fulmer, who can reach 96, 97. I think he actually reached 97 on the radar gun at this high velocity uh, today. So he did do that against the KC Royals and looked superb out there. I would compare him to a Charizard. I like Magmar, too. I think both are fitting. And honestly, my Pokemon game and knowledge and name dropping kind of ends right there. Actually, I know a few other ones, but I don't want to embarrass myself and start naming off all these guys and then a few might be wrong and then I, I can't keep going on. So I don't want to do that to myself, too. That's probably wise. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with the show, you can at podcastianos.com or on Twitter. I am at JordanHall23. Vito, what's your Twitter handle? At Vito Jerome. Jerome's one middle name, so it really should be at Vito Trickle, right? But I was the dummy when I created the Twitter account and did that. <laughs> Haven't changed since. I'm still the dummy, right? Yeah, still right. to this day. And I'm still mixing up my co-host, my partner in time over at the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. And you can follow, by the way, the Detroit Sports Podcast Network at Detroit Podcast on Twitter. And, yeah, I still mess him up with that. Like, he'll read that Twitter handle and think that my last name is Jerome. And I've probably done that to you as well, Jordan. But my middle name is not uh, – it's Jerome. It's not um, – well, Trick was my last name. Vito Jerome Trick was. It's only my middle name, Jerome. <laughs> I know you probably thought it was my last name too, and I'm sorry if I did make you uh, make it seem that way to you as yeah. well. All, all good, all good. And if you want to sh- follow the show, we are at Podcastianos, and we would love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the Podcastianos. Um, Vito, it didn't take the Tigers long to get back into their usual form after the break. Uh, Friday was excellent. The crowd was roaring, uh, came from behind, behind a Tyler, Tyler Collins, of all people, home run. Saturday, Big Pelf last inning in two-thirds, never in it. And Sunday, today, earlier today, we get a walk-off win by Salty. Three games back, and we've already hit major highs and major lows. Um, did you come out of the first three games after the break optimistic? Absolutely, Jordan. I mean, they had to take two out of three. The Royals right now are a middling ball club, you know, middle tier in the American League and the AL Central as well. The Tigers having the better record going into the second half of the season. 
and they looked like the better team for most of this series besides for Saturday, but guess who was starting for the Tigers in that game? Mike Talk, who's worse than him right now as a starting pitcher? Not many guys that you can name out. Well, Anibal Sanchez, they have just, him already on the Tigers. Yep. Yeah, Sanchez, that's him. Worst starter right there. But yeah, Telfrey got bombed, got rocked, but outside of that, they won the two games Jordan that I thought they would. I predicted two out of three on my podcast last week going into the All-Star break, so they did. It turned out the way that I thought it would. Tigers winning two out of three, and that was a successful return from the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, some takeaways that I, that I took from, from the series. Um, let's start with the bad so we can eventually get to, to the good. Um, the offense over the, over the weekend was not great. We had eight hits on Friday, seven hits on Saturday, and 11 on, 11 on Sunday today, but seven left on base. Um, going into the break, uh, I believe that we had scored three, three runs or, or fewer in six of the last nine. Um, and then obviously we, we scored four and what did we score on, on Saturday two? Um, do you think that this is, uh, due to the good pitching that we saw? I mean, we didn't see the fantastic pitching, but you know, Duffy, Kennedy, Ventura, these are, these are decent players. Or do you think this is a, a continuation of the pre all-star break slump? I think some of the hitting woes. we were talking about that. And I, you know, I, I think that has to deal with, well, who they face, too. I mean, on Friday night, Dan Kennedy, really good of late. And Sunday, or, you know, Danny Duffy then, too. So you had, you had Dan Kennedy, Danny Duffy. And you know what, Ventura, when he's on, he's no slouch, right? He's got really good stuff. Absolutely. It's erratic at times with the command. And he showed that off on Sunday against the Tide. Really good through most of the game, too. He really was. He really stymied, you know, he stymied, whatever it is. He stopped and halted those bats for a while there. He really did. But, yeah, I would say I got a benefit or credit the world pitches, what they have there and throughout against the Tigers in those first two games. So Kennedy's been good of late. Duffy's their best pitcher. Mm-hmm. You know, he is. He's their ace right now. He's come out of nowhere, right? He really has. So they didn't expect him to be this good, and they're lucky he has been this good. So, And then I think a guy like Cabrera, which maybe we can get into later and really dive into the topic of him and his struggles, but I think also because he's been poor at the plate, it kind of reflects upon the rest of the lineup, too. You know, it affects the rest of the lineup because he's not going entirely right now. Uh, 0 for 4 on Sunday and had a no homers, only two RBI in July. That's not good, right? Yeah. Out of the guy that's being paid More millions, millions, millions of dollars. Yep. Yeah, that's not good. Not good at all with Monday being July 18th. So, yeah, it's not good when you're halfway through the month. So, he's got to turn things around. And I'm wondering right now, this is a good topic to discuss for you and I, too, Jordan, for me on my podcast with Doc, is whether or not Cabby is plastic in these clutch situations with especially runners in scoring position and two outs. He hasn't done well at all. He 171, I believe, to this point with two outs and runners in scoring position. That's not very good. No, absolutely not. And uh, not that not that this this is extremely anecdotal, but on Friday night, he had bases loaded with one out uh, and a 3-0 count. Uh, there, I was listening to on the radio. They were talking about how the crowd was absolutely rocking. Essentially, like all the narrative is, this is when he breaks out, and that was when he let Soria come all the way back from 3-0 to strike him out. Obviously, Victor had the two-run of all things infield single after that. Um, but yeah, why don't we get into to Miggy and uh, some of the struggles that the heart of the order have had in this series? There was only two RBIs between the three of them, and both came on the infield single. Um, with Mickey, obviously he was an all-star. You know, he's he's had a um, a good start to the season, not a, not a Mickey start. But what do you think has been the problem as of late? I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll let you venture a guess. I, I you know what I think honestly because he has seen himself struggle more than usual to the point where I think I didn't know what to do, how to alter things, how to get you know things rectified at the plate for himself at this point because he's not used to struggling for this prolonged period of time. It really isn't. And I think stuff affecting him more than ever before, too. It's getting into his head more than ever mm-hmm. before, specifically. And I believe those mental issues are haltering slash signing what he can do at the plate with that big bat of his that usually he can utilize to crank out home runs, you know. And more importantly, he uses that to get on base. Pitch for average. He's not hitting as much for average this year, which is very surprising, too. You know, he won... Uh, you know, all these, he's won these batting titles before. Hit for the great average last year and was hampered by injuries. So maybe all the injuries in, you know, in recent memory, they've piled up to him to the point uh, that maybe he's just going to be hampered the rest of the way, like by his things, just nag him. And maybe he's 
even right now playing through. Maybe that's why he's so he's bigger than maybe he should be too. Maybe he has to lose some LBs at this point, even though he's always played with the same weight, had the same heavy playing weight. But maybe it's finally getting to him to the point where and maybe it's affecting his batting ability too. So maybe he has to get into better shape. And that would mean, well, maybe cutting down on something with his diet or doing something <laughs> different with his workout regimen. I don't know what it's going to be. But I think he has to reduce his weight a little bit. And I think also, like I said, I think it's a mental game. I think things are affecting him more than usual because he's seeing himself not be the same hitter, and he's trying to figure it out mentally, and not being able to figure it out is really beating him up, I think, every single day. Yeah, but I, I think he will rectify you know, something here at some point. It's just I don't know how much he will rectify it, honestly. Yeah, I, I agree that a lot of it seems mental, and not to not to compare him to McCann because obviously they're very different classes of hitters. But you'll see McCann constantly fall behind in the count and then swing, you know, at, at bad stuff. I feel like M- Miguel has had um, a much bigger problem recognizing pitches this season than in past seasons, and he hasn't been getting himself into the counts that we consistently saw him over the last what how long has he been here eight ten years um you know he he always was finding himself in hitters counts um because of his supreme control of the strike zone it just hasn't been there um and it makes me wonder maybe he's guessing a little bit more than he used to um which Mm -hmm. that that will get anyone even probably the the best pure hitter of our generation into trouble um and obviously it's it's gotten mccann into to worlds of trouble mccann is a, a massive guess hitter um but yeah, I think if he got back to, you know, as as Rod and Mario would say, a bit more of a two-strike approach, see ball, hit ball, and just simplify things. I, I mean, obviously, this is somebody, you know, in my basement telling the best hitter of our generation how to how to fix his swing. But I think that sometimes uh-huh. when you're going so, um, when you've had such a struggle, that just simplifying things, you know, taking it down to its roots really might help. I think so, too. I mean, I think it's kind of, Guys overcomplicate things. You can't, I know, easily as a major league hitter, and it's easier for us to talk about it, right? Easier said than done. That's what we have to say for you and I as outsiders looking in and looking in at a future Hall of Famer. It's hard to definitely pinpoint what it is that is, you know, halting, you know, you know, affecting his production at the plate. Because there is something doing it. And at times it's making him look like, uh, you know, a less, very much less impactful hitter. Now he's looking like a, you know, a uh, mediocre player at times at the plate right now. And I think it's because of those mental issues because we need him to be more cabby like I think for the Tigers to really hang on, truly contend, get in there for a wild card fight at least, they need a better cabby, a more efficient guy at the plate. And they need that, that heavy-duty, impactful middle-of-the-order guy. They don't get that a cabby at kind of production going forward. Well, they're going to be less of a ball club. Even though maybe they have other guys producing and stepping up, well, cabby at some point will turn things up. And I think he will. I think him looking like a guy that's a Shane Halter at the plate. I think I used the word haltering. That's not even a word, but I'm going to say now Shane Halter is what he's looked like at the plate mm-hmm. in recent memory. Well, I think that will end at some point. It has to end for the Tigers to truly contend at least for a wild card spot. Yeah, and fortunately we've had guys like Iggy coming back, hitting a little bit better. Salty, obviously, with the big bomb today. Even Tyler Collins, who still makes my skin crawl a little bit. Um, aside from you know some of the contributions of that, and obviously Maben and Kinsler at the top of the order, um, this would be a very a very average offense. But you know they've they've kind of been carrying the team at least like you said in July, and you know even going back into the little bit of June. Absolutely, I mean it's been Maben Kinsler guys like that for a spark plug at the top, and uh, you know Kinsler is hitting for power this year too, which is surprising because mm-hmm. he did not look very good at times last year and now this year he's been the first half most valuable player for the tigers in my opinion playing every day playing with a good glove at second sure won a gold glove last year he was snubbed for that wasn't yep. he he really was and this year they make the all-star game come on tigers aren't that bad of a ball so weren't that bad at the all-star break for only one guy to get in and for kinsler to not make and really he should have been the guy that made the all-star team not miguel cabrera no offense to Nicky, but i love the guy he made 10 all-star games prior to this year so you know, he deserves it. He's been a great ball player for so long and had good first half numbers. But who was most deserving? It was obviously Ian Kinsler. Definitely. He was a big time all star snub. And he has carried the offense. He really has been the offensive MVP. And you've you've had other guys surprise, you know, really perform as under the radar guy. You know, uh Cameron Maven coming out of nowhere this year, hitting as superbly as he has. Uh, he's been a different snaker too for the Tigers. And what he offers speed wise. You know, they're in the base path and in the outfield, you know, covering ground in center field at Spacious Comerica Park. So I love what he's done in Kinsler. Guys like that, Nick Castellanos having a great first half, too. You know, he's been a really 
an all-star impact that as well. So all those guys hitting, and Zemar really not showing many signs of his age getting to, which after last year I thought maybe he's done being yeah. an all-star caliber hitter. Well, you know, Zemar's really shown that that's not true. You know, he's proven all the doubters wrong. And now it's time for Cavie to start proving some of these people that are starting to doubt him. And it's funny to say, but people are. People are starting to doubt him here and there, his ability specifically to get it done in clutch situations. That would that will be uh, I think to a certain extent that's going to be the tale of the rest of our season. All right, let's move on to some of the good things that we saw in the Kansas City uh, series. Other than Big Pelf, who we don't have time to get into tonight, I, he's one of my favorite topics, and we actually haven't had a, had a <laughs> big, big Pelf talk in probably about a month. There was a there was a point in time early in there when he was probably the most talked about player we had, but we're we're done with him for now. Let's get to uh-huh. the rest of the starting pitcher pitching, which is hashtag fire. Um, fire emoji. Verlander and Fulmer were so good over the over the, in the Kansas City series. Um, does it not just um, Big Pelf on on Saturday, but some of the other starts we've seen this year? Does JV and Fulmer being so incredibly good make it harder to watch the rest of the the rotation kind of struggle with mediocrity for you? Yeah, just go up in flames, right? They've yeah. been a, a collected dumpster fire after JV and Fulmer. Fulmer's in the age, truly. But JV, there are some stats that prove that he's been the best pitcher in the AL since a certain point last year. Yeah. So after the All Star break, something like that. There's an article that just came out. So JV has been magnificent and really regaining velocity too. And how about that? Him and Fulmer can throw it. I thought, well, Fulmer can throw it. He's even throwing it harder than I thought he could. And then JV getting back his velocity. So they're exciting. But yeah, the rest of the guys, man, don't they just damper your, you know, they just really they suck the energy out of you. They lessen your spirit. And the worst part is, is there's reason to believe in all of them. They just, they, they keep trying mm-hmm. to, to remove that, that reason for belief. Um, I, I mm-hmm. was glad to see Zimmerman go on the DL. The last couple starts, I was telling Eric, like, he clearly isn't healthy. I thought it was still the groin um, that, you know, he suffered, he was suffering from earlier in the year. Um, but he, he went on with a, with a neck problem. And I know it seems like they're not related, but I, I have a, I have a sneaking suspicion that, that, the groin problem made him compensate elsewhere in his delivery, which caused the neck. Um, just take, he took the time off. Hopefully we'll see him back in rotation by the end of the week. Um, I, there's reason to think that Zimmerman could get back to the same level that the other two are at. Obviously Norris, you know, <laughs> it's hard to know what we're going to get from Norris other than most likely a couple more shortened starts. Um, but man, if we can go into any series with JV, Fulmer, and Zimmerman, that's why it's so hard to be on, you know, Team Cell because that three can beat any other three in baseball, especially with our offense. You know what I mean? Well, Jordan, you need one more arm, though. You yep. know, you need a quality one through four for the playoffs. But hey, we're just trying to get into the playoffs, right? That and they might have to sneak in via the wild card route, which is more than fine with me. It's just it sucks. You only got a one game playoff, and that's a discussion for another day, too, whether or not MLB should scrap it, you know scrap it or just, you know, reform that 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 one game for the decide who gets in, you know, from that, you know, from those two wild cards. I think maybe something should be done to reverse that or just totally just do something about that to uh, to I guess reignite something there that maybe has been lost with that wild card game. Even though it has some pros, you know, it's just harder to get in. It sucks for that one thing that maybe, you know, one nine seven game and then have to lose a wild card game. The Pirates, I believe, did. And the end, mm-hmm. yep. you know, had to make it in via that route, playing the, you know, the one-game wild-card playoff game. And then it sucked for them because they had to play in that game, and they lost it. But 97 wins in the regular season. Sucks for them, right? It really does. So, but anyways, um, I mean, what you have with J.D. and Fulmer. And, yes, Zimmerman, too. I believe in Zimmerman. I really do believe in James and what he can do going forward after he gets off the DL. But the important thing is, and, you know, him and Norris are likely to miss, a, you know, one more start. That's the latest being reported for the two of them. For Jake Zim, miss maybe a few more. He's not going to miss too much time. We know that you know his, his value to the rotation is so vital, and we need him back at some point. We don't want it to be a full long sit on the DL, so it sounds like it's not going to be as well. Right. But I was going to say, he can miss a few more starts. It means by doing that, spending that additional time, it means we're going to have him regain his full health. We need that. We don't need a guy playing through injury. I think he was sitting through some stuff too mm-hmm. that caused this neck strain. I really do believe that that. That theory of yours, Jordan, is true. I really believe in that theory. So we just need him back and 100% healthy. So if he is, I believe in that one through three. It's about the rest of the rotation, which has been a collective dumpster fire. You know, Sanchez is no longer the Sanchez. You can throw him to the wayside. You can DFA him right now. 
I know he's been better in the bullpen, but they should never go to him again. Yeah. Even though right now these guys in the DL they'll have to. And then North, you're talking about North maybe maybe being a lost cause or something, because um, you don't know what to get now with them. You don't know the industry keep flying back. You know, keep flaring up with him. So I mean, has have too many of those now piled up on him on his arm to the point where he's not going to be the same guy the rest of this year. It might be the it might be the case where this is a lost season for him yeah. that he just has to get healthy and really get healthy for next year. Even though we need him. Even more, you know, we want him in the rotation more than Anibal Sanchez, but he might have to get healthy for next year at this point. You know, it might be more vital for that in his career, you know, his long-term career development. Yeah, and, the, and the problem at this point is, who are we, if, if it's not Norris, who are we, I mean, Boyd, Boyd is kind of the other option, and, and I have a, a massive soft spot for, for Boyd. I, I really like him, but, I, you know, I know he had a lot of success against Toronto, but when I look at Boyd, I don't see the stuff of a guy who's – who's going to be a long-term success in the big leagues. And that's why I would rather just run Norris out there every fifth day. You know, there's going to be some lows, but with, with a ta- an arm as talented as that is, there are going to be enough highs that I think it's going to be worth going with the, the upside over, you know, I, I love Boyd, but he, he does remind me a little bit of Kyle Lobstein. And that's, that's not an arm you want to keep running out there. No, I think Boyd is a mediocre guy at best. Mm-hmm. You know, he can fill a fifth spot, but be really more of an emergency fifth guy. Yeah. I think he's more of a long reliever, you know, a specialist, a guy that can give you some innings out of the pen. That's the best-case scenario probably out of Matt Boyd, and then he being an emergency guy. But once again, rehashing the topic of Norris being healthy, whether or not he is, and what he can do the rest of the way, well, for him to be effective, truly effective, he's got to get past his injury, first and foremost. Mm-hmm. You know, just like Norris is more of a worry because it's about his long-term future and development into a big league starting arm that can be a top of the rotation impact guy. So if you want him to be that, and you know he's playing through some injuries and won't be fully recovered until the end of the season, maybe you rest him for a, a longer period of time to get him fully healthy to the point where he's a lot more effective and sharp on a consistent basis next season for the Dice. So I think they might have to worry more about that than winning this year, which is a shame because you look at those guys at the top, like we said, and you think, oh, if they get in the playoffs, you know, they can make a push maybe. So you might have to delay that which would be very nice, obviously, after last year being so disappointing. You might have to delay that because of a guy like North and because of his career development. Yeah, and that's, that actually ties in really interesting to where I wanted to go next. Trade deadline strategy. Um, as we sit on, what is this, July 17th, um, we are six and a half back of the Cleveland Indians in the division and two and a half back of Toronto for the second wild card. There are 13 games to play until the deadline. Uh, simple question for you, Vito. Are you hashtag team buy or hashtag team sell? Yeah, even though I said all that stuff, I went on that, you know, that tirade there, that long rambling session. Even with all that said, I still think they should be team buy. Hashtag right. team buy because you know what? They're so close to the wild card. And you look at the rest of the AL, a lot of carry, a lot of teams to jump to get into the wild card mix. And you got the Red Sox there for the wild card, the Blue Jays, who look like better teams right now. And, you know, even on paper. But look at them collectively and how they perform, and especially in those respective rotations of the Red Sox and Jays. Mm-hmm. And you look at the Tigers, who have been middling one through five collectively, but still maybe have some better arms at the top, potentially. Absolutely. You know, Homer, if he keeps pitching like this, he's not only an AL, and I think he will win that, keeps it up, but he would also be an AL Cy Young favorite. Absolutely. You know? Mm-hmm. So think about that. You have him and JV, and JV really pitched well outside of, you know, getting rocked they were against Cleveland a few Sundays ago, and I was at that game, and that was horrible to go through. Trust me. It was painful for me. Almost made me want to drink at the game. Okay, it did. But anyway, you have those two guys, and maybe they're sexier and stronger frontline arms than what the Jays have at the top and what the Red Sox have. And that means maybe with the collective strength of the Tigers and lineup one through nine, that they can, you know, catapult those teams for one of those two wild card spots. And, well, most importantly, just catapulting one of those two teams to get into that one-game wild-card playoff game. So I think the Tigers can do that. And their bullpen, even though it hasn't performed as a stronger back out of the pen at times this season, I, I still think, I really do, Jordan, that the Tigers' bullpen back end is much stronger than last year. Oh, and I think it'll keep showing that as the season does progress. And look at Kira, how efficient he has been. Not even throwing hard. Not even close to a Charizard, right, or a Magmar. <laughs> not even close to that. And look at Kira, what he can do. It's still key batters. You know, the change piece and all these other secondary are all speed pitches. So I like what T-Rod can do. It's really finding that, that true, um, well, the true 
Wolf for Mark Lowe, what is he going to be? Right? He was going to be the eighth inning guy. He can't even do that. Hasn't been effective enough and should be using those close, tight game situations late in uh, games anymore. And he hasn't been. And you know what? Great decision there by Brad. Maybe not a ton of great decisions out of him, but that's one right there, which I think well, he just simply saw the writing on the wall after a long enough period of using Mark Lowe in those you know, tight, late-game situations. So, you know what? I don't know what they're going to do with him. And Wilson, though, Justin Wilson has been good, really serving in that role. I like what he's done, what Shane Green has done in the seventh inning. So if you were to get, though, a more effective Mark Lowe, think about the strength of the back end of that ten as a whole. You know, I don't know how they're going to – you know, try to work them in if you don't want to entertain the idea of working them back into the mix for one of those late inning roles because I don't know if it's worth it because you have Shane Green pitching so well on any role. And, you know, with that being said, Shane Green, would you even entertain the idea of moving him back into the rotation right now because of the struggles of Annabelle Sanchez every fifth day, a guy that maybe she's going to be DFA, you know, as I said, and Matt Boyd, you really want to, you know, to throw him out there all the time or even Daniel Norris. You know, yeah. if he's not fully healthy, does that mean you have to entertain the idea of moving Shane Green back into the rotation? I if that's the case, you lessen the strength of the back end of your pen, and then or maybe Mark will be reworked into a, you know, a late inning mix there. For the that, that's exactly right. And I, I th- I've actually kind of kicked that idea around in my own head. But what I've come up with is that I don't think the, the improvement that you would get from going from Norris or Annie Ball or Boyd, whoever, to the rotation to Shane Green would be as big as how much you would – you know how much of a big of a bullpen hit you would take by replacing Shane Green's role with Alex Wilson, or you know, I, I think you're going to lose a lot more in the pen than you would gain in the rotation. Um, and for that reason, I'm I'm probably staying put with with Shane Green out there. Um, I think he's he's a year or two re- away from being maybe the best closer in baseball. I mean, I, I think the stuff is there for Shane Green to take that next step. Really? To be a closer? Absolutely. Wow. He, uh, well, we talked about funny? it a couple of weeks ago. He reminds me a lot of Wade Davis. Obviously, Davis okay. didn't throw quite as hard in the when he was starting as Shane Green did. Um, but, I mean, he, his velocity is playing up so much harder. The slider is so much uh, sharper in in the pen that I think there's room there for continued growth, especially if he comes into next year knowing that he's a reliever and he can train himself. I mean, it's 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 very different, you know, training that you would go through to pour it all out in, you know, 15 pitches versus, you know, you're training yourself to throw 100. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, when you're throwing more pitches, you lose your velocity. Mm-hmm. You're less effective. So I think it's worth it to keep them in the pen. You know, it's funny when you brought it up, the possibility of being a closer in a year or two. And the fact that Lynn Henning, I believe, wrote about it or brought it up on my podcast when he was on Tiger Talk with Churchill and Company. He talked about that very idea of moving Shane Green to the pen and making him the closer eventually. So he's got the stuff, it looks like, for being effective in short game you know, situations. So in one inning, more than fine. Even two, you can stretch him to because he has that starting pitching experience. That's why he is so vital in the pen. And you have Alex Wilson. If you knew Alex Wilson to be more effective on a consistent basis, more like last year when he was really their best relief pitcher, you know, throughout the whole entire season because Sawyer was dealt. Mm-hmm. If he could be that again here in 2016 for the Tigers, maybe you would consider moving Shane Green back to the rotation. But you still, then you lose some of his effectiveness. So I think you're right. I think you are getting more right now with him in the pen than you would ever get out of him being used in the rotation in the place of even a guy like Sanchez. And Matt Boyd is an upgrade over Sanchez. We know that very mm-hmm. fast. Oh, so, you know what, maybe just stick with him. You stick with him over Shane Green, over Sanchez, when you get, you know, Zimmerman and or Norris back. You know, one of those two guys comes back, then you only have to use Matt Boyd in a spot start situation at the time being until the other guy gets back. And it sounds like they're both, like I said, Norris and Jay Zim are both only going to miss another start. So they'll both be back in the mix, and then that'll end all this, you know, discussion about, well, really, who should be in the rotation right now, filling the void at the very back end. And, you know, maybe they fill the void of what Mike Kelsey you know, has done with a trade deadline acquisition. So that's where I would go to kind of stepping into another, I guess, discussion here, Jordan, with you. That's where I would go if they are hashtag team buy. And like I said, I'm all in on the team buy train because I think it's worth it after what happened last year. This is a team that wants to win now, right? Absolutely. I really think that's the mentality of the front office brass. So if that is true, well, you win now by trading for somebody, right? By trading for starting pitching specifically. So, uh, after last year, how bad it was, I don't think they would actually sell off two straight years with this big of a payroll. And the aspirations of fans and of the team owner, Mike Phillips, to win a World Series. Yeah, Big Mike wants so, to win now, that's for sure. Um, so yep. you said you'd be after starting pitching. Um, any specific targets you like? Well, I hear about the Rays all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Don't YouTube about these guys, you know, they're making available potentially. Now, we don't know about who exactly from the rotation. Like, I mean, is Chris Archer even truly available? I, we know I that read somewhere point? today that, that uh, the Rays would be willing to entertain offers on him if they, like, overwhelmed, if they overwhelmed them, which to me kind of sounds like he's not super available. Um, but I'm yeah. sure Oda Rizzi yeah. and Smiley are available. But I was looking, Smiley, uh, he obviously threw decently well against us, but his ERA is actually higher than uh, Pelfrey's for the year. That is something. I know Smiley hasn't been as effective this year as he has been in previous seasons, the race, the Tigers there, before they dealt him for a given fight. And, you know, that trade, we could reevaluate at some point. I'm really looking at that and see maybe the Tigers messed that up by getting rid of Smiley, but they could reacquire him and make that trade a wash, right? <laughs> or just a win-win totally for the Tigers. So, I mean, Smiley is a candidate. I've heard about that, like you said, Jordan. I wouldn't mind bringing him back. I know he still has something in him because he's a young arm. Not making a ton of money. And Archer's not right now as well, which is why they probably want to keep Chris Archer. Right. So, Rays are a small market ball club. They operate on a small budget, obviously, that's the inset. And Archer has big time potential in his arm and has shown it prior to this year. Now, this year, he's been pretty darn miserable yeah. on an every fifth day basis. Now, we don't know what that is. Is, is it him pressing? You know, guys do press when they're major leaguers, and he's expecting now to carry a big league starting pitching staff. You know, maybe that's getting to his head, and maybe on the Tigers with veterans there, more than the Rays have, maybe that would lessen the pressure on Chris Archer's mind, on his shoulders, and maybe allow Chris Archer to throw more like a bona fide ace every fifth day. I don't know. So I would entertain the idea definitely of pursuing him if the Rays don't want too much, but like you said, they're going to have to be overwhelmed right, in order to get rid of Chris Archer because they still know he has so much big-time potential and has been a great starting pitcher in the past for them. And the problem right now is is exemplified by the, the Pomeranz for uh, Espinosa deal. The market is is such a seller's market at this point. I, I, don't, I legitimately don't know if we have the pieces to go out and get a Chris Archer, specifically in the minor leagues. Um, I mean, yep. Kristen Stewart and, and Joe Jimenez are our two best, our two best pieces. I mean, they're not even getting us in the on on the phone call with with Tampa. Um, I, we would need to be looking at. I, I don't even know. I mean, maybe maybe JD. Like we don't necessarily have a natural um, trading chip for. No. I mean, I guess the the thing is is you know when we when we dealt with the Rays last time, we gave up Austin Jackson and Drew Smiley. Um, you know, a young set. Well, we they we didn't give them Austin Jackson. We gave them to Seattle. But you have a, a young uh, position player and, and a young arm. We could do a Glacius and, I'm trying to think, maybe Norris, some, someone like that. Obviously, that opens up a whole new can of worms who play shortstop. Um, but I think it would have to be something like that. And, you know, I wouldn't have an issue giving up a Glacius and Norris for, for Archer. You know, obviously, that's probably a bit of a pipe dream as well. But I think it would I think take so. two. I think you're dreaming. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, but the other the other name has been Sonny Gray, which I would assume that that mm-hmm. would take a very similar uh, caliber of deal. Yeah, that probably would be a pipe dream to to attain uh, Sonny Gray at this point. I know another guy that hasn't been as great this year as he has been in the past. Another young arm, so it would take a lot, I think, for the A's to entertain the idea of trading him. They would have to be overwhelmed. You would have to give up Iglesias and another Iglesias type of player. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or three Iglesias, and they don't have three Iglesias. No. You know, they don't grow on trees here. So, and you know what? They could have, you know, been more maybe willing to deal with Iglesias if they started Willie Adamas, right? Is that how you say his last name? Yeah. Who was dealt to the Rays, the David Price deal, who was in the All-Star Future team. He was in that game, you know, playing there uh, in that game over the All-Star break. Adamas was there, and he could have been a guy that could have been called up to fill the void of uh, Iglesias if they were a deal. So right now they really don't have that true guy to go to to replace Iglesias in that shortstop. And the thing then comes back to this. Are they in the win-now mode? If they are, you probably can't deal Jose Iglesias then. And then J.D. is probably your best trading ship then. I right. think you were saying that, too, on that major league roster, because he's young, he's for power, he's for average, and a good glove. And he could have won a gold glove last year. You know that much. He was up for it, too. Now, this one maybe not as superb with the glove, but anyways, J.D. would be a guy I would entertain dealing as well, and I think the front office perhaps the Tigers would, if they knew they had a suitable replacement for him as well in the corner outfield. And now we know well, Moya's not that he doesn't have a good glove. Right. He's so stiff on it. Mm-hmm. Merely Moose, so he's not that that really go-to replacement option for Gideon right now. If they knew Moya could be, I think they would have to entertain healing Gideon Martinez, too. So it's too bad that 
Moya hasn't developed quicker, or maybe will never develop into a starting outfielder. I don't think he actually will. I think he's going to be a fourth outfielder in the entirety of his major league career, which maybe won't even be that long. We'll see what happens. Which I always tell Eric, there, there's, there's value in a power-hitting fourth outfielder that's left-handed off your bench. Like, that that's something. There is something. But, yep. I mean, he's never, like, the, the Moya truthers out there were, were thinking that he was, you know, the next, I, I don't even know. But he he's Marcus Timms more than he's, you know, <laughs> no examples come to mind. A good power-hitting left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he's like a he's one of those fourth outfielders yep, who exactly. provides you pop off the bench, which is something. Hey, you need guys like that, like a, a Matt Sears off the there bench, right? Yep. Pinch hitting power. Moya is that, and he's still young, so maybe he becomes better than that. But that's what he is right now. I don't think he develops into much more than that. So maybe a team will entertain dealing for him, but not really a team that's rebuilding, right? No. Or want youth that can start eventually. They probably see Moya and think, well, he can't start eventually. But on a contending major league ball club, which is what the Tigers are right now. Well, they could use a guy like that off the bench, and I think he will eventually, you know, be called up again here. And Collins, this this dream of Collins playing as well as he has, you know, over the weekend what he did against the Royals, that was great and all, but that was only three games. Yeah, you know, that's a small sample size. So we'll see what Collins does going forward. Um, just to play devil's advocate, and and just real quick, um, six there's you know six teams in the playoffs, and then there's five teams within five games of the wild card in the AL. They have the six teams that are currently in the playoffs in the NL, and then three more teams that are within five uh, games of the playoffs. That would be 12, 15. That'd be 20 teams that are still reasonably in contention um, at the deadline. It is a massive seller's market. Just to play devil's advocate a little bit, if Mm -hmm. there was a year to really fire sale, it might be this year. And, and I'm I'm firmly on team buy. I absolutely think that they should go for it. You know, seeing the, the walk-off today, seeing how well they played on Friday, like, you can't replace the buzz of a good baseball team. But if, this, if there were a time to try and maximize your pieces, it might be this year. You know, with, with just how much people are willing to cough up for, for a Drew Pomeranz, imagine how much more a Kinsler – or uh, you know a guy like that who's who's in the middle of a, a career year. Let's let's go ahead and say it. Um, yeah, but it would it would be so soul crushing if they did that again. It would suck, wouldn't it be? As a Tigers fan to go through that again, selling two straight campaigns when they were so good, won four straight division titles. Then this, we're resorting to this now with this big of a payroll, all these talented ballplayers on the roster. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to do that, but I get what you're saying because Kinsler has a ton of value. And honestly, I thought they might have and actually should have dealt him in the offseason. I thought he carried a lot of value, too, because I thought he would have carried it over to this year consistently over the entirety of the season. So I thought, well, they should have dealt him when his value, trade value, was sky high during the offseason. Now it's even higher, I think. So, well, yeah, if you were selling, you sell Ian Kinsler, who's not getting any younger, but it seems like he's getting better with age. And I believe a few articles have been written about Kinsler and that being a fact for you that he's really growing into a more powerful, even better all-around guy that can be an all-star even more consistently than he already has proven to be when he was a Ranger and, you know, since he became a Tiger. So his trade value, sky high. So if you are selling, yes, you sell him off. Um, but, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't see that happening. I truly don't see straight years. And wanted to ask you, I mean, I know what you were saying about the Drew Pomeranz trade. Was that more of Trader D, you know, coming into form there with the Bostocks and Dave Dombrowski? It, it very, it very well true... could be. That's that's the only that's that the, the only uh, that? indication we have on the market so far. Yeah, and you know yep. he he came into the Red Sox with what six or seven like uber elite prospects, and he's already traded oh, yeah. two of them away in in six months. Um, that's that's a very good point. That might just be a classic uh, DD uh, over overpay. We'll find out. I have a feeling that there will be another move here in the next couple of days that might shed a little bit more light on the on the market than than what Dombrowski did. Yeah, we have to see more. I think that is true, Jordan, because Dave D, now does he really set the market and is it based on what the market is? Like you said, I think we'll tell the more trades that are coming in the near future. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, let's move on to power rankings. Uh, This is usually Eric's territory, but with him out of the country, and this show is contractually obligated to rank something um, every week. You're going to have to have to bear with me as I give it a go. Um, obviously okay. the minivan rankings are, I can't do them this week because, you know, Eric has those. So we'll have to wait until, um, next week. Um, but for this week, the power rankings that I've come up with are the seven best and three worst, um, minor sitcom characters. T- uh, Vito, are you, are you a TV guy? Yeah, I am a little bit. I struggle with names though at times and right. in real life too, in counts. Unfortunately. Oh, well, I don't have any of the of the actors because I, I don't really know the okay. actors that play. It just these are kind of the the some not obscure, but um, like as a point of reference, like if we're talking about Seinfeld, like Jerry and Elaine Kramer, they are not they don't qualify, but someone like Newman would. So just just below mm-hmm. kind of the main characters. All right, so okay. here are the top seven and bottom three. Um, at seven, I, I put the Seinfeld shortlist because I couldn't I couldn't narrow it down to just like one or two from Seinfeld. So I had to give um, some of the best. George Steinbrenner, George's boss, who you know is Larry David plays him. Um, just I don't even know what to say. He's he's one of my favorite all time TV characters. Uh, Frank Costanza, George's dad, is just wild. Um, Jackie Childs, <laughs> who plays Kramer, well Kramer, and then the gang's lawyer um, based on Johnny Cochran is just hilarious um david putty and then uncle leo so that's the seinfeld shortlist that comes in at number seven um all right now now we get into just singles uh number six would be jazz from fresh prince of bel-air um okay uh he's he's will's friend i'm, I'm gonna do this eric style you know he's got or uh yeah eric yeah that's what i said he's gonna do eric style you got the hat you got the 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 flashy shirts um you know jazz jazz just an all-around funny guy um number five have you uh vito have you seen new girl i am okay um i picked tran who is nick nick miller's friend that he often sees um in the park and they they talk back and forth um well they actually don't really talk back and forth nick pretty much just talks to him and tran just smiles and he's he's nick's best friend um Number four is Batad from Scrubs, always there for like a uh, a sexual, in, inappropriate sexual joke. Um, he's there for a high five. He's he's a pretty good surgeon, from what they say. Um, the the Todd always always makes me laugh. Um, coming in at number three uh, from Thirty Rock is Doctor Leo Spachemin. Um, it, it looks like Spaceman, and that's what uh, Tracy Jordan always refers to him as. Um, he's, not a, he's not a very good doctor. He's, he's not good at, at diagnosing medical things. Um, he is good at giving bad advice about doing extremely unhealthy, unhealthy things. Number two, uh, from Parks and Rec. Are you a Parks and Rec guy? I am. You know, I love The Office, and I love Parks and Rec. Amy Poehler is terrific. Yes, she, she definitely is. I actually have um, an office guy in my bottom three, so you, those two should. Um, oh, great. So my, my number two, um, let's see, what's the minor sitcom character, would be Jean-Ralphio. I feel like you either love him or hate him, but he's, like, <laughs> I feel like he's, he epitomizes everything that's kind of wrong with our generation. Uh, but he does it in such like an endearing and funny way. Like, I, can, I can't help it. I love, I love Jean-Ralphio. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my number one, Eric always lets me lets me guess when he gives it. So I'll I'll let you guess. Do you have any guesses as the number one? It's I know it's very obscure and there's no way to guess. So, but it's from the office. No, I mean, the, that, the, the could... office is is in my uh, bottom three, as in the worst. Oh my god! Really? Yeah. No, office? just just oh, just okay. one just one character, and I think you'll get it once we get there. <laughs> Uh, okay, my number okay, one is Jay yeah, Peterman. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, Jay Peterman from Seinfeld. Um, he okay. buys Kramer stories. Uh, he's 
he's he's done all sorts of exotic things. Um, he he runs the catalog. Um, he likes the yam yam. Uh, so yeah, Jay Peterman is the greatest uh, minor sitcom character of all time. All right, let's get to the bottom three. Um, number three okay. from The Office is Toby. I actually don't dislike oh Toby, but Michael dislikes <laughs> him so much that he has to go on the bottom three list. <laughs> Toby Flenderson. Toby one Flenderson. and eight. You know, and then he, he wanted to invest. Didn't he write a book? He penned a novel and try to get some fame off of that. And it was crazy. He liked Pam but never really went after her. Always kind of made it awkward with her. And I loved I actually loved his character and the character development that he had, but he was probably one of the weakest. He was. Yeah. And Gotta be fair with no, him. I actually, I love Toby too, but um, yeah, he, he moved to Costa Rica at some point and then, and then. Remember that? Back. He did yeah. that trip. Yeah. Took off for a while. Yep. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite episodes of The Office ever was when um, Toby was leaving and Michael threw like the biggest party possible for, to celebrate him leaving. It was horrible, but you know, he always went after him, huh? Yeah. That was such a great like storyline in the show. How they played that off. Michael just hating Toby's gut. <laughs> that was terrific. Um, let's see. Number two, or the the second to worst uh, sitcom character is Patrice from How I Met Your Mother. Um, she doesn't really have any lines. It just whenever something is going wrong in Robin's life or at work, she always just like screams at Patrice. Yeah, uh, yeah, she blurts the name out. Yeah. that is good. And for that reason, we, we all hate Patrice. Um, and then the worst, uh, the worst TV character um, from a sitcom is from Friends, and it's Janice. Do you know who I'm talking about? She has, she has like a, uh, Janice. She's an off and on uh, girlfriend oh, yes, yes, of Chandler. Yes, yeah, Chandler, the, the, voice. the voice. That's exactly oh my God. right. So annoying. So, so annoying. annoying. As Eric would say, garbage. That's power rankings. <laughs> Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcast Yanos. Okay, uh, are you ready to move on to next week? I am, sir. All right. Uh, Monday through Wednesday, we host the Minnesota Twins who, if I were a good host, I would have looked up our record against them this season, but it is good. I know that. We have won many of our games against the Twins. Hopefully we can keep that rolling. Uh, tomorrow, Matt Boyd starts against Ricky Nolasco. On Tuesday, Anibal makes us all sweat all day long against Tommy Malone. And then on oh, Wednesday, Verlander against Irvin Santana, who that actually should be a pretty good matchup. Um, Vito, do you think that Minnesota is the team that finally lets Anibal get back into the win column? Yeah, uh, it would be the team, right? Come on, I, I hope mean, so. I'll it would be. But I'm going to say, I don't know if I can trust them. I I would say they have a chance to sweep, though, with that still being said. But I, I think they take two out of three. I like that Verlander-Santana matchup. Santana for the Twins right now, I know at the All-Star break, the only guy that had an ERA close to four. Come on, the only guy in the rotation. That's how stinky, how smelly it has been. All season long there in Minnesota. So, yeah, the Twinkies don't really, uh, you know, cause any fear in you. you know, they don't really strike you with any fear when you look at the rotation one through five. No true A's, really no true number two, three, four, five. Well, they got it. Don't let me dog them that much. They do have a few guys, but no true number one or two. That's a fact. Everybody else has just filled in a spot here and there. And Santana's their best arm right now. So I like that match. That's the tastiest matchup of the series. And like I said, I think the Tigers take two out of three against the Twinkies. And remember, the Tigers really have beaten up on the the, the left teams, right? That's exactly right. The inferior right, yeah. teams. They really have beaten up on them to this point. So, and they are good at home. They're over 500, and they were 23 and 16 at the break. So, it's a two out of three. That makes them 25 and 17. So, they are 25 and 17 at home. So, I like their odds, and I think everybody does, right? So, I see at least two out of three, and that is my prediction. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to predict a sweep. I think that Anibal is going to get knocked out of the game early. But I think we're going to get some good relief pitching to keep us in and come back and, and, and win. I actually really like Matt Boyd against the, the Twins. Um, I feel like he's he's the type of pitcher you want to throw out against a, a young, free-swinging, undisciplined team. And the Twins mm -hmm. are all of those things. I think that sets up really well for him. Though I don't necessarily love him you know, on the, on the, on the whole, I, I think that he's set up to, to win uh, tomorrow night. After that, we travel to Chicago for four. Um, big series. 
The White Sox are near us in the standings. They have not been doing so hot recently. I think they've lost like seven of the last ten, something like that. Um, Pelfrey mm-hmm. against James Shields on Thursday. Fulmer against uh, to be determined on Friday. I don't I don't care who's throwing in that question mark. I like our chances <laughs> on that one. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday is back to the uh, Boyd and Annabelle spot in the rotations. Oh, it remains yeah. to be seen. Hopefully it'll be hopefully it'll be Norm Norris and Zimmerman um, in some order, and they'll be facing Sale and Jose Quintana. Um, the White Sox they run out some pretty good starting pitching, uh, but. I like I I don't know if this is just optimism coming off a two or three against Kansas City, but I really like our chances in that series too. They better at least split. Yep. Absolutely. You know the White Sox are, well, they've been about the same kind of ball club throughout the first half. They have been. They have great top of the rotation arm in you know Quintana. They have him. I like him a lot. Chris Sale is great. You know he was an AL Cy Young front runner until recently, but still has fourteen wins. Started the All Star game for AL. Like what he can do. So I like him. And Quintana, and I mean that's two wins right there, possibly uh, for the White Sox. I know I'm saying that Quintana, it's Quintana, right? How do you say the last name I think it's properly? Quintana. It's just yeah, a little Quintana. Bit there we go. It is Quintana. It is Quintana. Yeah. So I like those two guys, but the rest of the rotation is another smelly collection of arms. I mean, it seems like all these AL Central teams outside of the Indians have a, a collection of smelly arms outside of maybe the first two guys, and that's where you, I mean it has to be strong there. And the rest of the rotation, you just guys have just you can have them just fill in spots, and you know you can make up ground through hitting really well too. The thing is, with the White Sox, guess what? They don't hit very well either. Look at their averages. Right. Yeah. I mean, how bad are they? Look at all. I mean, Todd Frazier, who's their best maybe all-around guy, is not even hitting for average this year, and he hits more for power than that. But still, he hits it better than he was hitting, I think, in the low 200s. Has been. So. Jose Abreu hitting 272 going into the All-Star break. He has to hit more for average, too, and really revert to his 2014 form when he made the All-Star game. So if he can do a little bit more, be more of that impactful middle-of-the-order guy along with Frazier, and if they get some other guys at the top and at the bottom and hit for average, then there's something. But I'm not trusting in the White Sox to do that. And I like Fulmer going in that game, no matter who he's facing, like you said. I like the Tigers' chances of winning that game. And honestly, I kind of like Matt Moore not only against the Twinkies, but against the White Sox, Absolutely, yeah, another definitely. kind of another kind of free swinging team, like the Twinkies. So, uh, four against the White Sox. How many think we come away with? I'm going to say two to play safe. I, you know, I'm kind of maybe doubting them still because it's a road series and they haven't done as well on the road. But I think this team maybe is going to come into form now because of what they did against the Royals. That was a great sign. Like you said, maybe a huge indicator of what they will do now in these upcoming matchups with some tougher foes, such as the White Sox, who are no slouch. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think at least, I, I say at least two out of four. Yes. I think Quintana, I think Sale, they could win one of those two games. I don't think they'll win both, but they could win one, and that means they would win, you know, three out of four. So, I mean, I'm saying at least two. I'm going to say a split. All right, I'm going to go with a, a sweep against Minnesota and a split against the White Sox. So what would that be, five, five and two? So five, five and two on the week. Um, yeah. And that would, yeah. that would be a successful week. I, I'm, I mean, obviously, the more wins we could grab, you know, obviously the better. Um, but I think five and two rolling into next week, that's, that, would, that would be useful. And I think that would put us in a much stronger position to be, um, you know, decidedly team by. Oh, absolutely. I think it's what they do, you know, by the, well, you know, the trade deadline is August 1st this year. So they have a little bit of time, but not really much. I would say by July 24th almost, I mean, they're going to be able to tell what they're going to be doing, you know, whether they will be team buy or team sell. And I think they will go four and three in these next seven games, which I think still tells you something about the Tigers and why they should be team buy instead of team sell. Yeah. Yeah. When we, uh, next week on the show, I'm, I would imagine, you know, we, we usually record on Sunday nights. I would imagine that we will have a, have a pretty clear idea of what's going on. All right. If you want yeah, to get in touch yeah. with the show, you can at podcastianos.com. On Twitter, I am at JordanHall23. Vito, remind us of your handle. At Vito Jerome on Twitter. And then follow the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. I do my podcast for at Detroit Podcast. Where can we find your writings? My writings can be found via the free. And I write a weekly scouting report thing that appears in the Sunday free press sports section. So scouting report of the upcoming matchups each week. And then I freelance a little bit, too, outside of that for the free. And I write for 
the Detroit Athletic Company blog, too. It's bi-weekly pieces right now. And then I also provide some content for Top Cat Sales, a sports apparel distribution company in downtown Royal Oak. So everyone, go find all of those things and read them. They are, are definitely well worth your time. Uh, if you want to follow the show, it's at Podcastianos. And once again, we love it if you would take the time to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or however else you listen. Uh, Vito, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, this has been has been a really good one. Uh, we've gotten into some some really interesting topics, and and I'm glad that you were able to to come on tonight. Hey, thank you very much. It was my pleasure, Jordan. All right. With that being said, uh, eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up, and we will see you guys next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.